Well, my name is Oscar. I'm the youth and children's pastor here at New Horizon. Um, and like the slide up in the screen says, um, I kind of went with the um, theme for our potluck this morning because it actually worked out really well with what I wanted to talk about and what I felt God wanted me to share with you uh, this morning. So since I started here at New Horizon, that was about two and a half years ago, um, Ernie has let me preach the last Sunday. Uh, this one just kind of worked out that it was a fifth Sunday where I normally preach, but every last Sunday of the year um, I get to preach a sermon that's meant to be um, a reflection on the past year and also kind of a challenge or a motivation for the coming year. <clears throat> um, Last year, my sermon was all about trusting in the Lord and how uh, those famous verses, um, how he will direct our paths, like we really take for granted. And um, hopefully this year, you were kind of reminded of that. Um, but this year, um, honestly, the entire year, I've been, I've had this topic on my mind and I've kind of, like, it's been, I've been having discussions and conversations I felt with God about, is this actually what he wants me to share? Because I feel like it almost comes across as selfish um, depending on how you take it, but I think wholeheartedly, um, especially the fact that our potluck um, is all about family, I think um, it really all aligned and all the stars aligned, as the saying goes, but I think God really orchestrated all of this to work out. Um, but, uh, like I said, we have this tradition here at New Horizon where every fifth Sunday, every month that has a fifth Sunday, um, I get to preach, and our kindergarten through third graders who are normally dismissed get to stay with us. Um, and while I'm thinking about that, if your kids came in and didn't get one of the coloring sheets and worksheets, there are some back there, and they can get a handful of crayons on that back table um, in case you want to keep their attention a little bit better. Um, but we call our fifth Sundays family Sundays because we want the families to be together for throughout the whole service, not just the first part. Um, and then recently, our family ministry, uh, about the last year, has begun hosting potlucks after service, um, like Ernie mentioned earlier as well. And um, we've had these themes for each potluck. And like you said earlier, this year's or this week's theme um, is family heritage, where we were told we were encouraged to bring dishes that meant a lot to our families. Maybe it was passed down through our families, or it's just a family favorite that we hope gets passed on as a new tradition. More than likely, for those of you that were able to bring something this morning for the potluck, it was something that was passed on to you from another family member, or like I said, maybe just a newer dish that your family currently loves, and maybe it will become a new tradition. I, personally, am a terrible cook. Uh, you can ask Cammie. I am the person that could burn water. Um, like, if there's not very detailed instructions, like, I could not cook very well. Um, and on top of all that, Cammy and I are both sick right now, so we didn't want to take the chance of cooking anything to share, so you're welcome. <laughs> Maybe next time. Um, but that idea of sharing these meals, sharing the things, and sharing the memories along with those meals um, from our families and now sharing them with our church families, it means a lot. Um, I sincerely love the idea. Uh, I don't know who exactly in the family ministry came up with that idea, but um, hats off to you. Um, it's a great um, theme to choose, and I mean, the decorations are fantastic like you all saw when you walked in. But um, I sincerely love the fact that uh, our family at home and now our church family are kind of being intertwined and interwoven together because I think that's what the church really should be is all these families coming together as one big family in Christ. And like I said, it aligns perfectly with what I wanted to share with you and why I just 
took their title that they had for their potluck, family heritage. Um, but the, the passage, like you can see on the screen, a very famous passage when it comes to the church. And this, uh, for those of you that were here way back in May of 2017, um, before I was hired, my very first sermon at this pulpit, I actually talked about this text um, towards the end of my sermon. So uh, I think, let's see. I don't think my clicker works. I don't know. I don't know if you did that or I did, but there isn't very many. So, Kara, if you could uh, keep up with me, that would be awesome. Um, but you could stay on this slide for now. So this is verse 4 of Deuteronomy 6. <clears throat> Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Verse 5, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And then verse 6, where I'm going to pause, and these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. So that's where we usually stop reading in verses four and five really are the famous passages, um, especially when uh, it comes to um, um, Hebrews and Jewish people. Um, that's like the passage uh, when it comes to the Old Testament. Um, but verse seven uh, goes on and really the thing that I want to focus on today. So verse seven, you shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. <clears throat> so before I go further, um, now that I've read the text for us, um, I'm going to go ahead and pray for us and mostly pray for my voice. <laughs> Let's pray. Dear God, first and foremost, thank you so much for everyone that is here this morning. Um, I just pray that we never take for granted the time that we have together with our church family, that hopefully it means as much, if not even more, than the time that we spend with our families at home. Uh, I know we've hopefully got a chance to experience this in the last week with uh, celebrating um, your son's birth. I just pray that we really remember that every Sunday morning is that um, church family coming together and spending time together and most importantly worshiping worshiping you um, together Lord I pray that uh, the rest of this service my sermon included the song that we'll have later everything else and even the meal that we share together that it all glorifies you and that it's all for your glory and that we remember that everything is about you um, and just help us never forget that Lord all these things I pray in your son's name amen so um, the first part of today's passage, like I said, uh, from Deuteronomy, is one of the most important passages in the Bible. It's what is known as the Shema. Um, like I said, verses 4 and 5 specifically, those first two, that say, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. That first word, hear, is actually in Hebrew the word Shema, and why they call it the, that passage, the Shema. Um, Honestly, the rest of my sermon or the, act, the actual like bullet points of my sermon are more after the fact, but all of the passage or all the verses after these two are about verses four and five. So we really need to understand what God is telling the Israelites in these passages. And it starts with that first word here. So the first word here, or in some English translation, says listen. Uh, in Hebrew, like I said, is Shema. Um, but this word has more meaning um, in the Hebrew than it does in the English translations. It's similar to the way that we think of the word hear and the word listen. Like hearing something is very different from listening to something, even though they literally mean like 
sound waves coming to your ears and your brain processes them, processes them um, it's different. Um, because hearing something and listening to something, um, so like a good example is like any of the younger kids that are in here right now, like maybe some kindergartners that are in here right now, um, they're probably hearing my voice, but if they're actually like paying attention, then we would say they're listening to me. Um, and in the same way, like, you can ask Cammie about this. I didn't actually tell her I'm going to talk about this, but I'm mostly poking fun of myself, so it's fine. You can ask her after service, but this is like my life coming, like the sermon coming to life in my life. I am a terrible multitasker, um, terrible cook and a terrible multitasker. Got it all, guys. Um, if something has my attention, even if it's something like mundane, like I'm watching a YouTube video, I'm playing a video game, whatever it is, and then someone tries to tell me something, like I will hear them, like I'm not deaf, like I heard that it happened and it was told to me, but I will forget it. I will not process it, process it. Um, and especially if I'm told to do something, if I'm like focused over here, like I will completely forget. Even if I did realize and notice it, the fact that my mind is somewhere else, like I will forget that uh, later. So like I said, hearing someone or hearing something that is told to you is automatic. The way that like, there's a loud noise, like you don't have to be like waiting for the loud noise to happen. You just hear it. Listening, however, is more so because it has intentionality behind it. You have to be intentional, like really listen to someone. Like you're focusing on what they say, the connotations and the context of what um, is being told. And this word, um, the Shema, or here as it is in here, in this, in English, um, it has even more intentionality than we give to the word listen. So hearing is automatic, listening is more intentional. Shema is even more intentional because the Hebrews, when they hear this word, it also means obey. More often than not, when you hear, when you see the word obey in the Old Testament, it's actually this word, Shema, or a form of this word. And it's because if I'm telling you to do something, like not just listen, like do it is what um, the equivalent of what they're saying. Like when I tell you a command, like in this case, God himself is telling them this command, like he expects you to obey. Not just hear me, not just listen to me. Obey is the next obvious step. And it is all encompassed in that one word of Shema. The closest English equivalent that I could think of was the word heed, H-E-E-D, uh, or like we take heed. Um, I know it's a word we don't use very often, and like as I was writing this, I was thinking of like anything that I could think of where I ever heard that word being used, and my mind always goes to like a stupid example of like a wizard giving a warning, like heed my warning, or like you think of like old-timey um, people using that, or maybe like... I would picture like a very old person, a grandpa, like chastising a child. It's like, heed me. Like you, we don't really use that word, but I think um, it's the closest thing we have in English because it's not just hear me, listen to me. It's obey what I'm about to tell you. And that's exactly what God is doing here in Deuteronomy. Don't just hear, O Israel, but listen and obey, O Israel. And then he goes on with the actual commandment, love the Lord your God. Uh, with all your heart, soul, and might. So um, when it comes to us today, and we, we read this passage, what are we supposed to listen to and obey? Um, I mean, it's right there for us. 
But I don't want to gloss over the fact of how important the passage and how difficult it is to really live out this passage. Because loving God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your might, literally everything that you are, like, it's not... Um, an easy task to perform. And you have to remember that the Hebrews reading this, they would have heard that. If you say your heart, your soul, and your might, that's literally everything that the Hebrews would say is a part of me, a part of me as a person. Like, that is everything. So God is telling me right now, every single part of you, every aspect of who I am is supposed to love God. God is telling us that he wants all of us, not to leave anything out. He wants all of us. Um, and the Hebrews would have heard those things. So when we are told to shema, to hear, to listen, to obey, um, that is really what it means to be a believer, a follower of God. And now we have the context of his son, Christ. What it means to be a Christian is the same. Like when Christ was asked, depending on which gospel you read, like this is the answer that he gave or the answer that he confirmed was the correct answer of the most important commandment in scripture is this right here. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, might. So I think it says a lot, the fact that God himself, God the Father himself here in Deuteronomy, Jesus the Son later uh, confirms that this is the most important. And really, when we finally achieve the goal of living this out, that is what, that is what being a Christian is. If you truly love God with every aspect of your life, every fiber of your being, then you are living out and obeying this commandment. You are Shema. Like you hear it, you listen to it, and now it's about obeying this commandment. And if there wasn't enough emphasis already with the word Shema, God gives us these action steps or these plans to uh, live out, or at the very least remind us constantly about this command and how we're supposed to live it out. So the rest of the sermon, um, and for those of you that are note takers, these are your three bullet points for the sermon. So there are three actions um, that we are supposed to do with these powerful words of loving our God um, with everything that we are. So the first action is right there on the screen in verse 6. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. So action number one. Oh, thanks, Kara. Uh, keep these words on your heart. I think our culture has really uh, overused and oversaturated the symbolism of our hearts. Um, like, like, I have a small list, but there's a very long list. I Googled it, trust me. Um, we talk about heartbreak, heartache in matters of love. Uh, something that is sad, we call heart-wrenching. Uh, when we make a promise, we cross our hearts. Uh, when one lacks courage, they are faint-hearted. Um, if you are overly sympathetic, they're, they're called a bleeding heart. You can have a heart of gold, a rotten heart, a heart of stone. This goes on and on. But this idea of heart um, is intentional. And the fact that we use it so much shows, of how, shows how important it is in our lives. And the fact that God uses it here, not just in the command itself of loving God with all your heart, but now here he actually uses it differently. He says, keep these words on your heart. It's the same word, but it has a different connotation. The first part 
It's about those emotions, that who you are, the way that we think of all of these phrases, like who you are, like, like that's your heart. The things you really care about, the emotions that you have, whether it's positive or negative, whether it's sadness, joy, hatred, love, fear, courage, like it all stems from our heart. Um, and we get that from scripture itself. They use the same things, we, like the famous phrase of take heart. Like it's about our courage and about our emotions when it comes to matters of the heart. Um, here in verse 6, um, God is more talking about what is constantly on our minds, even though he doesn't talk about our mind. And I think this is intentional of why Christ, when you read this, like in the Gospel of Mark, he adds that fourth one. Because um, here we just have our heart, soul, and might or strength, where Christ adds mind. Because the Greek um, culture would have understood the mind is very different from our emotions, from our strength, from our soul. Um, they, they would have had to add that fourth one and Jesus obviously knew that and he intentionally added that I think because now to the new context to the new readers they would have heard the same thing everything every single aspect of who I am heart soul strength and mind every single part of it should love God so I think Jesus was very intentional in adding that to this famous passage that the Hebrews would have known really well. <clears throat> so all of our um, emotions stem from our heart, but everything that is constantly on our mind as well, uh, we like we think of like memory verses or things that we memorize, like we take it to heart or we keep it in our heart. And that's the same imagery of like having it dear to our heart means that we really care about it and it's on our mind constantly. So when we are told to love the Lord with all our heart, all of our emotions should show that we love God. And when we're told to keep these words in our heart, uh, it means that we should always care about what God cares about. And that when, it, that when that comes to this passage is the fact that we need to love God. The second action that I have on there um, is in verse 7. It says, you shall teach them diligently to your children. So action number two is teach these words to your kids. Um, and it's the first part of verse 7, if you want to read it again. But it says, you shall teach them diligently to your children. And this is the actual section that I focused on in my very first sermon here at this pulpit. Because, um, you know, I mean, youth pastor, you have to focus on the kids, right? But I think um, the fact that families are not just the way that they, they were talked about in the Old Testament. Like, you all know, like, looking at the room around us, like, families are very different nowadays. And even if you're not related by blood, we're still family in the same way that we as a church, we're related with the blood of Christ. Even though carnally we're maybe not related, we're still that family um, in Christ. So when we're told here to teach them diligently to our, te to our children, teach them or teach these words to our kids, we need to teach the next generation. Even if they're not literally related, not literally your kids, we need to teach this next generation about God. Just look at any of the stories of the Old Testament. Pretty much every single one is how the Hebrews didn't do a good job of teaching their kids. Um, or at the very least, like they forgot what their parents told them because they just didn't hear enough, I guess. Um, pretty much every story that we hear is um, blamed on the parents. And most scholars will tell you, well, that's because the kids wrote down the story. Like, they're not going to blame themselves. It was the parents. They didn't teach me. And, like, you see that with a lot of the stories, um, especially in the first um, half of the Old Testament. Uh, you see where the blame is being put on the parents for not teaching their kids. 
And obviously, this is where our theme comes into play, this family heritage, this family thinking. Um, when we think of family heritage like we are today, like we usually think of those traditions, uh, maybe like meals that are passed on, or um, like you probably did some holiday traditions in this last week, those things that have been passed on through the generations, um, or maybe those new things that you hope will be passed on um, after you and down for the rest of your family in future generations. But... Um, Regardless of what it is, like we pass them down intentionally, and like those are there are certain memories and traditions that we want to share with our kids. Like we leave out all the bad stuff from our childhood, and we just want them to focus on the good things and the good traditions. But at the top of that list, like our faith needs to be there. The fact that we come to church, that we celebrate Christ on Christmas, all of these things um, that make up who we are, that whole idea of loving God with every single part of who you are, that should be tradition number one at the top of our list. One of the most frustrating things I experience as a um, youth pastor, children's pastor too, um, is um, when parents don't take the time and like, I mean, it's obvious, like people are busy, but when parents don't take the time to teach their kids about God outside of church, like I am well aware, like, like we have some amazing Sunday school teachers, um, here at this church and like on Sunday mornings, even on Wednesday nights, like our kids are learning about God, but the problem becomes when that's the only time they're learning about God, when they don't have that time in between and they just have it twice a week for a couple hours and then that's it. Because um, then when you get your kids to junior high and high school and maybe they don't want to start or they don't want to keep going to church anymore, then, I mean, if that's all the church and all the learning that they were doing, then, I mean, that's, it's gone. It's completely wiped from their life. So the thing that I really want to be intentional about with this sermon is the fact that it's up to the family to teach the kids. But like I said earlier, it's not just parents. It's every single person. If you have someone younger than you in this church, it is your responsibility as well um, to teach this next generation um, what you value and the traditions that you have, the fact that you love God, hopefully with all your heart, soul, and might, that you would want to pass that on to this next generation. It's the reason we have these amazing Sunday school teachers, because even if they're not their own kids, they care about these kids. They care about the future of these children. The same with our small group leaders at the hype. They care about those students enough that they want to be involved as much as they can in their lives. So I'm not just talking about parents not taking the time. It's really anyone that doesn't take the time to teach the younger generation because we hear, we hear it or we read it right here in these scriptures. Like we need to be diligent when we are teaching our kids about these passages. So um, one of the things I hear a lot from parents when we maybe reach that other point is how do I get my kid back to church or they don't want to come to church, how to convince them to come back to church. Um, and like they feel like all hope is lost and like I've, I've, like I've ruined it, like I can't do anything about it, they don't want to come to church. And it's just not true. Um, like the emphasis that I really want to make and I'll talk about it a little later is that it's, it's never too late for God to work in anyone's heart. We see that in countless stories in the Bible. Regardless of their age, God can and will work in people's hearts. We just need to not let up and not um, lose our faith. So 
Um, and that brings us to the last action um, for the rest of verse 7. It says, You shall teach them diligently to your children, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise. So action number three I have on there is talk about these words constantly. Like I said, if the only church your kids are getting is literally at church, the only time they're learning about God is Wednesday night, Sunday morning. It's not enough. I promise you it is not enough. Um, I don't care if they're the smartest kid in that Sunday school or the most active in that youth group. It's not going to be enough because the moment they stop coming, they literally lose everything and all of their interaction um, with their church family. So um, for those of you that maybe are at that point where you want your kid to come back to church and don't know what to do, um, just talk to them. Like, take note from this passage in Deuteronomy and just have honest and open conversations about, uh, about your faith, about their faith, and just ask those difficult questions. And um, I know for a lot of parents, like, maybe you don't know where to start. Like, I promise you, there are plenty of resources, and I can help you find those too. Um, but more... Uh, importantly than everything else is just be honest and be open about your faith because like I said like when we live out those verses of loving God with everything like those kids notice even for those of you that are here at church and don't have kids like the younger kids in this room they look up to you whether you notice it or not like I hear them talk about it all the time especially in youth group like they notice the things that you do here at church and outside of church they are constantly watching us so your kids will understand more easily what it means to love God with all your heart, soul, and mind when they see you living it out. When they have that example, the same way that we look at Christ as our perfect example, like this younger generation needs those good examples of imitating Christ so that, we, so that they can imitate us. It's the reason Paul says that in the book of Philippians, like imitate me because I'm doing my best to imitate Christ. So the same way our kids should look up to us, the younger generation should look up to all of us, um, and we should be able to tell them, like imitate me because I'm doing my best to imitate Christ. So when loving God is the most important aspect of your life, your kids will notice. When church is very important, when reading the Bible every single day is important, they will notice that. <clears throat> and hopefully, and eventually, your kids should and will want to do the same, but that you need that moment of honesty and not just the good things about your faith, but tell them about the struggles, tell them about the doubts, tell them about the fears, and just be honest with them. Because especially with this new generation coming up, they want sincerity above everything else. Like before, like we, like we would like sugarcoat things for our kids. Like these kids don't want that anymore. They want the cold, hard facts about how terrible life can be sometimes. And it's not really the way that we were raised. So it's difficult for us to be just open and honest and blunt with our kids. But um, it's, it's honestly what they need uh, for this generation, especially those junior higher and high school students. So the question isn't how to get your kid back to church or how to get them to stay in church when they're old or older. It should be how do I teach them what it means to love God with everything? How, how do I show them what it looks like to love God with everything? We need to teach the next generation and remind ourselves that loving God is most important above literally everything else. This is the greatest commandment for a reason. Like loving God trumps everything in our lives and it should. So, um, 
this last part of the sermon uh, that I wanted to talk about, I just wanted to be very intentional. Um, and like I said, like, I didn't want it to come across as selfish as the youth pastor, like, teach your kids, like, make my job easier. Like, that's not what I'm trying to say here. Like, what I want, to, what I want you to really hear is that God is telling us to teach these kids diligently. And that's not just the parents I'm talking to. It's every person that has someone younger than them at this church. So at this time, I'm going to invite the worship team up. Um, and I'm going to kind of go through the list of people that I want to talk to specifically. So as they make their way up, um, for you parents out there or um, that you consider yourself parents, um, number one on my list for the application section, I guess you could call it, is to be intentional with your kids. Ask them the questions, ask them the difficult questions, and let them ask difficult questions to you. Like, be honest about your doubts, like I said earlier. Just be honest and open and be blunt if you have to, because that's what these kids want um, in this generation. So teach them diligently what it means and what it looks like to love the Lord. For you parents that maybe feel it's too late and like your kids are older, maybe even out of the house completely, um, know that it is never too late. I promise you it is never too late. Um, and like I said, like God still performs miracles every single day and um, it's just up to us to continue to be that example. Keep asking those hard questions as much as they don't want to talk about it. We have to show how important it is to us so it finally gets through their thick skulls of how important it is um, and how important loving God is to us. And for those of you, like I said earlier, that maybe aren't parents, um, the best thing that you can do is just live as an example to these younger generation. Like, they are watching, I promise you. Even if you don't notice it, like, these kids, especially the young ones, are watching every single thing you do. Like, I just spent this weekend with Cammie's uh, niece and nephew, and, like, you, I would say something to, like, a dog or a cat, and they would repeat me, like, word for word. They would have no idea what I was saying, but they would just imitate me, like, perfect. Like, these kids are watching, even little two-year-olds, are watching you. So be intentional um, with your example and your example of imitating Christ so that they can imitate you and therefore imitate Christ there. And then lastly, um, for everyone, like this command is not just for parents, but it's for everyone. And you have opportunities to teach these kids diligently. Like Ed talked about this morning or earlier this morning with uh, in our missions moment, like we have Sunday schools. Like I adore the Sunday school teachers that we have for our kids because they're intentional. They love these kids enough to and they love God enough that they want to pass this down to the kids. The same thing with our hype sponsors. Like, I adore our hype sponsors because they love those kids so much. So work alongside the parents and work alongside and be those teachers and be those examples. And then, actually, lastly, the kids, students, especially you high schoolers, talk to your parents. Like, don't be the shut-in. Don't be the person that, like, is too cool to talk to your parents and have these conversations. Like, you are going to regret it um, one day. Like, I promise you, you will. So spend time with your family. Ask them questions. Tell them about your, doubt, your doubts. Ask them about theirs. Do not take for granted um, that you even have those parents that you can go to or those role models in your life that you can have these conversations with. So... Um, keep these words in your heart, teach them to your kids, and talk about them constantly. Let's pray. Dear God, just thank you again uh, for this morning. Just thank you for your word. Thank you that we have um, this passage we call the Shema. And I just pray that we are very intentional with not just hearing and reading and listening, but obeying this passage, God. Help us, 
get rid of whatever obstacles are in our life that keep us from loving you with every single aspect of our lives, with our entire heart, soul, strength, and our mind. God, I just pray that we remove any and every roadblock that's in our lives and that, so that we can be those examples to this next generation, to these younger kids. I pray that you just break down those barriers, that you just help us be open and honest, help us walk through those doubts and help us find those answers for the things that we think we don't know the answers to. Um, and when we don't know those answers, God, just help us be honest and find those answers alongside with them. I pray for every single person in here that we just get to know you better and that we have a better relationship with you. And again, that we just really never take for granted the fact that we have your word to study, that we have this church family and our other families that we can learn from and pass on these traditions and our faith. All these things I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.